Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the Diardro Show. My name is Brian Diardo, and uh, Brian, are you here with us, my my my, my longtime uh, co-anchor. All right, not sure if we have Brian on the line just yet, but we will do our best to get him back on here. So, thanks again for joining the Diardro Show, Brian Diardo, yeah, Brian me? Rosen. Yep, I can hear you now, Brian. Awesome man. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Good man. All right. How we doing? Hey, bud. We're good. We're doing good. Hey, we got stuff to talk about tonight. We got NBA's back in action. The Cavs are playing as we speak. Uh, the last couple times we've been doing this, it's been uh, we've been doing it on Thursday. First couple are on Wednesday, so now we're tackling the the Thursday slate. So we got stuff to talk about. And uh, Brian, I'm going to hand it over to you. You know, we we started with our new segment last time. Uh, love it. Love it and, and hate it. And so, uh, you know, I know we've got that to talk about. We've got the NBA. got a lot of stuff. But Brian, I'm going to pass it over to you, man, to get us rolling tonight. I'm going to be the, the first person that is going to – maybe, I don't know if the first person, but who's going to get get uh, cash out of the ATM in the middle of doing a segment. But I'm, I'm multi-talented, so I can do that. Um, <laughs> so, yes, uh, just to start off, for our love it or hate it segment that we like to do, we'll start off with my love it, and then we'll get to Brian's love it, and then we'll we'll go into the hate it because love over hate always. We know that. Uh, I'm not going to get a receipt for my transaction in case you're curious. I feel comfortable with where I'm at right now. Um, but as far as my love it, and a lot of people would probably put this in the hate it category, but I'm not. I love. Love the World Baseball Classic. I am so excited. It starts March 6th. One of the first games is with my good friends from Team Israel, the homeland. Uh, I don't know how long they'll be in it, but I, I, can't, I, I love it. Um, I love baseball, and that's really what it comes down to, and this will tie into my hate it in a little bit, but I just I love baseball. And when you love something so much, like, like I do with baseball, you enjoy the international competition. Um, I'll admit, as a Tribe fan first, I'm always going to be nervous, like what's going to, you know, what's going to happen to us if someone gets injured. Obviously, that's scary. There's, there's you know, that aspect of it. can say is that I overall feel great about it. I think it's going to be really good. I hope America does well. I hope that that, that increases the interest. Um, but I just, I love everything about it. I, I Seeing meaningful baseball, um, at least in my view, as early, you know, early March is great. I, I need it. I relish it. I miss baseball so much. Um, so that's my love it. The World Baseball Classic starting March 6th, a few days after that. The pool in which America is in uh, will be rolling along as well. So, Mr. Diardo, what is your love it uh, on this edition of the Diardo show? Well, my, my love it is, well, first of all, I'm happy the NBA I'm happy the NBA's back. I think that's that's obviously something. Um, you know, we we've got. Uh, I'm actually this is this is something too that we didn't talk about off the air. But I'm actually going to go see uh, pit basketball. We talked about it off the air, I think, yesterday. I'm going to go to the pit basketball game on on Saturday, and uh, we're going to see the Pit Panthers take on the North Carolina Tar Heels. It's been a the pit basketball is not uh, where it was. You know, when I was in college, when we were in college, when I was in high school, they were perennially in the – they would at least make the Sweet 16. But it's fun. You know, I'll get to see Roy Williams coach North Carolina. I haven't seen them play since Hansborough and company 
routed Ohio State the year after we went to the championship. Uh, this, I, I believe you were in the building with me, Brian, that game uh, back in the winter of 2007, early winter 2007, talking like late November, early December. But, uh, so yeah, very, very excited about that. And uh, Pitt did beat them uh, at Pitt last time they played in Pittsburgh. So excited about that. And, you know, from a basketball standpoint, uh, I am excited about Magic Johnson being hired by the Lakers just because, um, you know, if there was one team that I had to hitch my wagon to, I mean, I like the Cavs. There's other teams I, I've liked throughout my life. But I would say the Lakers is the one consistent team I've liked. And uh, their basketball, to be quite honest with you, has been kind of unwatchable the last four years. So uh, to get Magic Johnson back in the building, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a miracle man, but I think just to have him back associated with the Lakers um, – hopefully instills pride back into the franchise and gets gets them back to where they need to go. Obviously, it won't just be him. The new general manager has to do a good job. Um, I think they have the right coach and Luke Walton, who's young and, and uh, energetic and comes from Golden State and played for um, Phil Jackson. So, obviously, he has a very good coaching pedigree. Um, so, optimistic, man. So, that that's my love it for uh, for this installment. Okay. Very good. Very good. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Irvin is able to do back there. I will say, and I know you'll love this, that I saw a headline, and, and this is you know true, that you know the Lakers, I don't, they, there was no realistic chance they were going to get him, but you know, one Magic Johnson gets on the job, and one of the first things he does is call Larry Bird because they were trying to get Paul George, and it is pretty cool the idea that uh, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird are kind are sort of competing again. Um, it's uh, definitely nice as, as as from an individual rivalries go. You know, probably the uh, the greatest in the, the NBA ever saw. So really uh, neat that that happened. But so we switch from love to hate. Uh, something I'm also very comfortable with is my hatred of things, and my <laughs> hatred going to be most international competition. So I am reversed. I, I, I know this. Most people love the Olympics. They love the World Cup and don't care at all about the World Baseball Classic. It's not even something they think about. I'm the exact opposite. My thing has always been if I like a sport, I will enjoy the international competition. If I don't, I don't care. All right? I hate soccer. I respect soccer players. I don't want to get into that whole thing. I just hate the sport. It's not for me. I've been, you know, I don't want to go, go, go into this too much, but it's, I'm constantly told, oh, you know, you should watch it and do this and do that. I'm sorry, I've tried. I'm not interested. I hate it. I sat with my back to the World Cup at a bar during Amer- America's, one of America's games. I, it, it, is that a kind of childish? Maybe. But that's just, I don't care. I have no interest in ever watching it. Um, now, so that shifts to the Olympics. So the World Cup, obviously I hate soccer, so I'm not going to like the World Cup. The Olympics, for the most part, I don't like either because I like hockey, so I enjoy hockey. Basketball is usually a joke because America crushes, but I enjoy watching because I love basketball. Right? Wrestling, I'm a big fan of, 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 of real wrestling. That's something I would enjoy. But I'm not going to watch enjoy swimming. I'm not going to watch figure skating. Uh, I like running, but I'm not going to sit there and watch the marathon. It doesn't do much for me. Um, I don't feel strongly about that as I do the other sports, but that's, that's my big thing is – I, people get so excited, and everyone's entitled to their opinion, but people get so excited for the Olympics and these international competitions, and I get so excited when it ends. Like, the closing ceremonies is one of my favorite night, days, uh, you know, every two years, or nights every two years. I love when the Olympics is over, and I don't have to constantly be, you know, see and, and hear discussion about 
sports that no one cares about except for the couple of weeks during the Olympics, and I never care about it at all. So we shift uh, from me to you, uh, from your love it to your hate it. There's there's some stuff to chew on there real quick, Brian. So I'm gonna chew on a little bit. Like with the, it's funny because you know with the soccer, you know, and, and and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot a little bit. So my one friend loves the World Cup soccer game, and we'll get on and play. And he'll want to be Italy. He'll want to be like Real Madrid, the best teams. I'm like I I'm gonna be the crew. He was like, why? The crew suck. I'm going to absolutely kill you. I'm like, I like the crew, man. Like, I'm from Columbus. That's the only soccer that I like. And I think with you, like, maybe if there was a professional soccer team in Cleveland when you were growing up, maybe you would feel the same way as me. But but I, I kind of agree with you from that standpoint. Like, I'm not a big soccer guy unless I'm Can interested in the team. Quick? Sure. Can I interrupt you real quick? I'm sorry. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and just to clarify for people, we have to say that because we're in different places. But – uh, I do want to just clarify that there there was a team called the Cleveland Crunch. They changed their name to Cleveland okay. Force. I don't think they exist anymore. That was not MLS. Well, I mean, there really was MLS when I was a child. But um, I, you know, that that. So yeah, it was still there. It, it, I don't like the sport. So I, I, it's nothing to do with that. I like hockey a lot, and we had minor league hockey teams. So it's it, it's it's the sport. I I just don't like it. So sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Oh no! Hey, hey! I learned something about. Hey, I, I, we've known each other for twelve years. I learned something new every time. That's cool. But uh, you know, it's funny because I, I don't. I think I'm kind of like you with soccer. But my thing has been, I played it for ten years growing up. So I think there's that. <clears throat> and the crew won an MLS Cup when I uh, was a, you know, I held a parabolis for ESPN and I went to like a bunch of their games for free. So. You know, there's that, but I'm kind of with you on that regard. But it's just kind of interesting how, you know, it's funny because you know every other you know place you go to in the world, it's all about soccer, or rugby, and then you come here and it's it's not that way. It's just interesting. But uh, you know, my hate it, which is kind of ironic because my love it, part of my love it was Magic Johnson. The thing I hate was that the Dan Levitard, which is my favorite, you know, brought national broadcaster, um, which a lot of people don't like him, and that's okay. Um, it's not for everybody. Um, you know, he was he was really honestly the only media pundit uh, that I saw and I heard that was critical of Magic Johnson and the hiring and pretty much just saying like, you know, he got the job because he's Magic Johnson and not because of his you know basketball acumen. I mean, there's parts of what Levitard said that I disagree with, which which was he only got the job because he's Magic Johnson and he's got you know that smile and the personality. I disagree with that. Obviously, I played with. You know, crazy competitors. He played with and against great talent. So, you know, obviously he, you know, hopefully he has an eye for talent if you're a Laker fan. But the biggest thing is you, you bring in a guy like Magic Johnson because, you know, the Lakers weren't even getting the big names to even come come meet with them. Like last year with Kevin Durant, they couldn't even get a meeting. They couldn't even get to the table. It was, hey, are you any are you interested at all? No. Okay, bye. That was it. I mean. And I even remember, uh, I mean, even the years that Kobe was there down the stretch, I mean, they were able to bring in Dwight Nash. But ever since then, when that didn't go right, they haven't gotten anybody good since then. Um, I think the last big free agent signing they got besides those two was Run Our Test. <laughs> so, I mean, who was a nice piece of, of a championship, but not obviously like a great, great player. Um, but, you know, Levitar was critical, and, and then ESPN and Mike Wilbon really unloaded on him. And I thought it was unfair because – you know, I, I honestly think a big reason why ESPN has – and you know this, Brian. I know you don't like ESPN, and this is the main reason why I hate it is because Magic Johnson was on all over ESPN's airwaves last week 
uh, before he was promoted to president. At that point, he'd just been hired as an advisor. Came back to ESPN where he used to work, <clears throat> kind of, you know, was on every single show and everything. And you could tell that and he is a likable guy, and you could tell that, 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 that ESPN people like him. So I don't honestly think they're taking opposition, the ESPN people, to what Levitard said. It's more protecting a friend. And to me, that's not professional. And I remember even, even seeing that when I saw Magic on TV. I remember thinking, these guys are going to go out of their way to not criticize him. Like, they'll give this guy every benefit of the doubt. And I think that's the thing I, I think a lot of people don't like about ESPN is when they see these agendas and when they know straight up that Magic Johnson is going to get better treatment than, say, a Jeff Hornacek or, say, a Phil Jackson. You know, for whatever reason, ESPN doesn't like Phil Jackson. And there was a time when they didn't like LeBron. Um, so, you know, that, that to me is what upsets me, Brian, is it just how the media decides to attack the one person, uh, at their network that just decided to be, you know what, like, I'm just, I'm going to be critical. Like Magic Johnson, uh, has never been in management, uh, you know, for own ownership, which is not really management. You know, he has a lot of money. So, you know, I hope he does well, but I don't like the fact that the one guy that questioned it. Uh, was dumped on so badly, and especially by Michael Wilbon, who, um, you know, did it via tweeting, you know, and, and I have enough issues with Michael Wilbon. I mean, when you're a national reporter, um, you shouldn't set, you, you shouldn't be wearing Cubs jerseys to games and, and take pictures of it and all that, all that, all that. Like, if you want to go, that's fine, but, like, you're making it about yourself. So that's my rant. It probably went on four minutes too long, <laughs> but that, that's the thing that I, uh, I hate about uh, sports at this moment. Okay. All right. Um, what do you say we shift gears and talk a little hockey? Um, we had discussed off the air uh, about something new that hockey's doing that it sounds like they're going to tweak immediately next year, and it sounds like a really great idea. Um, this year, for the first time, the NHL added in a five-day break that occurs. Now, from the perspective, obviously, of the human body, it's great. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it. It's a very difficult physical you know, sport. It's a complete grind. So every team now has these five days in the middle of the season, five days off without any hockey. And the issue has been that the teams that have had it, and we'll find out this weekend with the Blue Jackets, because they end their five-day break on Saturday with three games and four nights. Let me repeat that. Three games and four nights after a five-day break, which in itself is a major problem. But – you know, ultimately, the, the the teams have struggled mightily uh, out of the break. So you have the five-day break, and then teams are losing like crazy after it because you're just not used to that amount of time off. As good as it is for the body, mm-hmm. flow is so important. That's the reason why, like in baseball, for instance, I've always said you never want to be the wild card because you, you get a one-game playoff, and you could lose that one-game playoff. So you don't want to be in that position. But if you're lucky enough to win that game, you're actually at a really nice advantage over the competition, in my opinion, because you don't have that time off. You stay within the flow of the game. So same kind of thing here. In sports, you get used to playing the games, and in five days, it doesn't work very well, in my opinion. Um, Next year, they're talking about what they would do, which I think if you're going to keep it does make sense, is it would be essentially if, 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 let's say, the Penguins have a five-day break, and the Jackets have a five-day break, and it's at the same time, then they would play each other. So there's no disadvantage. Both teams are in the same boat, as opposed to, you know, a scenario where theoretically 
you could have a team coming off a five-day break playing a team that, you know, is right in the flow of things, and they have a, they'll have a, a, a big-time advantage. So it looks like uh, this change is going to be scrapped after just one year. Well, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think it's a good idea to scrap it because I think people are creatures of habit. They want to get back to playing. It's a little too long, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, and then you go right from it to three games and four nights. So I think it would be a good idea to like have one game, then two days off, and then you could do two and three nights or something like that. But like the, the fact that they're going from five days off to uh, three and four nights. I mean, let's hope that there's no big injuries. And if you're Columbus, you just want to get through the next three games with no injuries, in my opinion. I mean, obviously you want to get points in all three or two of three or whatnot. Um, I mean, they have, they're tied for the fourth best record in the NHL. Unless they totally nosedive, they're making the playoffs. Um, it, would, it would take a, collapse, a, a massive collapse. So, yeah, I'm with you, Brian. I think the idea was, was, was good-natured, but um, I agree. I think it's better to just <laughs> keep it the way it was. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for the Blue Jackets during this stretch, especially the next three games, um, you know what, get through them healthy and you'll be all right. But I, I think this could favor Columbus because they are a relatively uh, young team. And maybe maybe from a mental standpoint, this might be good for them because this was a team that, you know, in December had won 16 games in a row. I, even, I, I think that stretched into early January, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, this was a team that um, they've been good <clears throat> since, since the winning streak, but they've been about 500. So good, but nothing really to write home about. So, I think for them, maybe it was a good mental break to prepare for the long run, the stretch run, because now, I mean, you know, this is going to come off as cliche, Brian, but I think that the real NHL season starts now. I mean, we said that initially right after the winning streak ended, they went right into, uh, you know, more division games, and they've responded well. Uh, They beat Pittsburgh. um, It was right after our podcast, actually, Brian. It's been, you know, when we do these once a week, sometimes you forget the things that happen right away. The Blue Jackets-Penguins game last Friday night, uh, that's just one of those games. It was a great game. And sometimes you hear two-to-one games and you think that must have been a, a snore fest. No, this was a fantastic game. Uh, both goalies were among the three stars of the game. Um, and it went into overtime. And the Blue Jackets won it on a Brandon Dubinsky goal, which <clears throat> is the most hated of, you know, Pittsburgh fans don't hate uh, Brian Um they don't, they're not, they don't have a rivalry with Columbus. It's not there quite yet. But if there is one player that that Blue Jacket or that Penguin fans know and they don't like, it's it's Dubinsky. The, the Penguin fans can't stand him. My father can't stand him. My father actually told me recently that's the reason why he struggles to cheer for the Blue Jacket. Instead, it was it was except for Dubinsky, he'd be all for it. He's not a, a huge Torts guy because Torts Torts has kind of <clears throat> been tough on the Penguins in, in the past. Obviously, he's coached against them you know, with New York, with Philadelphia. So he has a history with Pittsburgh, but uh, a, a great game. I and mean, it was one of those games where it's over and you say, hey, man, that, that was a and, – and so far, I mean, the Blue Jackets mauled the Penguins in their first meeting. Pittsburgh responded with a one-goal win within the last month, and then Columbus came back and won this one by a goal. So, you know, they have the series lead against Pittsburgh, which is a big thing. I mean, if you can have a two-to-one series lead against the best team, uh, you know, in the NHL a year ago, and, and Pittsburgh is one of the three teams right now – by the, albeit by the slimmest of margins, they are one of the three teams that has a better record than Columbus. So if you can have a two-to-one lead uh, against a divisional foe, and as it stands now, they would face each other in the playoffs because the NHL, uh, the way they do the playoffs is really, really bad. I mean, why would you have two of the best four teams in the NHL playing in the first round if you can avoid it? I mean, currently right now, 
you know, the Blue Jackets should be facing the – they should be the three seed right now, and they should be facing the six seed. Instead, they're going to play Pittsburgh as it stands. So, not a big fan of that, uh, but if you're a Blue Jackets fan, you have a two-to-one lead. So you got to like your chances if you do face off in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's definitely that confidence there. I think come postseason, it's just a different animal, though. You know, so I, I think it, it would be definitely a challenge. But you're right. I, it, it's tough because you want your divisions to mean something, but yet you're right. The way things are, the Metro gets screwed big time because the the, the teams yeah. are so oh, good yeah. in the Metro, you know, Metropolitan Division, that you get a situation like that where you really need to be – you really got to be in the top three of the Metro. Um, if you're not, <laughs> good luck. You know, then like you said, you're, you're, you're on the road against – you know, you're against a really good team. So it's uh, not not easy, not an easy deal. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the division, you know, Columbus would have a seven-point lead in, in the Atlantic division. I mean, they would be – they would be, but, I mean, they're in, they're in they're in the division with Washington, who – Washington started a little slow, and then they've just come on uh, immensely here, um, which kind of started with – this is kind of interesting. Columbus, when they were going for the winning streak, uh, it's when it was over in Washington. Uh, Columbus was actually favored going to that game. You could just see it in Washington's eyes that, that it was like you ain't leaving here with with a win, and it wasn't even close. And I don't know if Columbus necessarily played that bad. It wasn't like they were tight. Washington was just incredibly on their game, and as you you just said, Brian, it was playoff caliber hockey. I mean, they the you know from the intensity standpoint, the execution standpoint, the atmosphere standpoint in the stands, it was all there. And uh, you know, I think that. But again. Everything that Columbus has gone through this season, I think, has made them a much stronger team um, from a mental standpoint, emotional standpoint. I think this is easily the best Blue Jackets team ever. They have to back it up by winning a playoff series, though. But when you look at the season that, that uh, Kim Atkinson's having, I mean, 50 points, uh, which, you know, which is good. It's not great. But what really sticks out is the 27 goals. So, if he, you know, if he can get, you know, on a line where there's a little bit more continuity, those assists are going to, you know, really, really go up. Uh, Bob's only averaging 2.2 goals per game allowed. Um, but really, Atkinson's been great. Feligno's been great. Um, some younger players have stepped up that were on uh, Cleveland's um, minor league championship hockey team this past year. So, I mean, Boone Yenner, it, it's all working for them right now. And they've got the perfect blend of veterans and young players with Jack Johnson. But, you know, and their backup goaltenders are playing better too. I, I know they're back. You know, last time I was at a game uh, a little over a week ago, right before the All Star break, um, the game before they beat Pittsburgh, actually, um, they had you know it was it was two backups going against one another, and and the Blue Jackets won the game. Uh, and earlier in the season, um, the second loss after their winning streak ended, uh, they had their former backup going in, and he got assaulted, and that showed them, hey, you know, we need to shore up our backup goaltending. And it's kind of like what we've talked about, Brian, with the Cavs. Uh, you know, with, with when when they talk about how you know it's good sometimes to go through adversity in the regular season because then you don't get your weaknesses exposed in the postseason. I think that's happened with Columbus, but you know, to me, it's the same thing, Brian, that, that we've talked about before. Um, to me, the success for this team is they have to at least get to the second round of the playoffs to really cement themselves as the best team in franchise history to this point. If they can win, and I don't care if it's Pittsburgh, I don't give them a pass. If they play Pittsburgh, I don't want people to say, well, they lost the defending champs. No, 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 no. Especially if they win the season series with Columbus, you got to go into Columbus and, and you got to win. So I don't care who they play in the first round, you got to win it. You got to win it, in my opinion, to mark this off as a successful season. 
Yeah, I agree, and I would love to like I'd love to say well, I disagree, but I can't because the reality is, unless they're not, you know, to my knowledge, they're not planning on realigning the divisions. So this no, is your problem. No. It's not a problem that's yep. going away. The the right. Caps are not going away. The Rangers are not going away. The Pens are not going away. The Jackets aren't going away. Um, so this is going to be a problem for uh, you know the for the, at least the foreseeable future. So yeah, you don't have a choice unless you're going to find a way to be better than one of those three teams. That's what you have to do. You got to find a way to 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 do that. And then you know it's a little different ball game, but that's that's going to be the key. That's going to be the key moving forward. I I think that you know that streak was so great because now the Jackets can play 500. They don't have to play the best hockey exactly. In the world yep. To 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 at yep. least at least get in. Now, if they wanted, you know, yep. if they want, obviously, have any prayer of being in the top three and avoiding a wild card, then that's, you know, that's a little bit of a, of a different story, obviously. But, right. um, you know, overall, their position, they're going to, at least, again, at least make the playoffs. Hopefully they can play well enough that they can put themselves in a position to get a higher seed. Um, but, yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. I, Certainly, the Penguins will would be a heavy favorite as the reigning Stanley Cup champions, and yes. with the experience yeah. and having having a superstar player, the caliber that as good as the Jackets are, they don't have Sid, Sidney Crosby, and that's obviously the same issue with the, the Caps. They don't have, you know, uh, Ovechkin. Um, so it, it's 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 going to be an issue regardless. And it's just something you have to kind of adjust to, and uh, we'll see moving forward. But the great thing is. As long as Bob is playing like Bob, the way he's been all year as an all-star goalie, then overall you feel pretty good. You feel like you got a shot against anybody. And I know we've talked about this before, that the Penguins are, are strong in all facets, but goaltending is not necessarily their strength. So it gives you an opportunity that if you can, if Bob can, in the defense, certainly it's not all on him, defense has to play well. If you can, if you can keep things off the score, keep the pens off the scoreboard, or whomever you play, uh, you know, don't let them go crazy. You're going to give yourself a legitimate chance because you're going to have a, a goaltender that is going to give you, uh, you know, the best opportunity to succeed moving forward. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I've talked about hockey. Uh, we we ha- definitely have to talk basketball. We got to talk some some NBA oh, yeah. and. Uh, the trade deadline was pretty insignificant. Nothing too exciting happened. Uh, P.J. Tucker, at least from the Cavs' perspective, Jared Solinger, the Southland uh, Columbus native and uh, an Ohio State Buckeye, was uh, unfortunately for him, you know, he, he is no longer on a contender. He's stuck in Phoenix now. Mm. But P.J. Tucker is uh, a Toronto Raptor, so I think the Raptors are one of the winners. They added Serge Ibaka. They had P.J. Tucker who's a uh, an underrated player, someone that you've even watched, is a really good player. Um, so, really solid player. I don't want to over, overstate it too much. But, ultimately, you now have a team in Toronto that looks like, on paper at least, that they're the biggest competition for the Cavs. The Celtics had a really, really difficult situation where they had to determine, do they want to try do everything they can to get a Jimmy Butler or a Paul George and potentially give up a pick? And from all accounts, it sounds like they did. They tried to do what they could do, and it just couldn't quite make it work. So I'm sure fans in Boston are disappointed, feeling like this is a chance and, you know, you needed to go out and make a big move. They're going to get a great player because they have the Nets pick in the upcoming draft. So I think long-term it may may end up being a good thing for them. They didn't do anything. And then the Wizards got 
Bogdanovich, but, you know, for the most part, they didn't do too much. So Eastern Conference-wise, the Cavs didn't make any, any moves, but we'll talk about that, uh, what they are going to do, and what I'm very excited about. But no one else really did anything too significant. Uh, Toronto's been struggling a lot. They look like they, on paper, again, the second-best team. And then out west, nothing significant happened in terms of teams that really matter too much. Um, you know, Houston did a you know a, a, a pretty nice job with, with their trade deadline. Um, but overall, not nothing nothing too crazy. It, was, it ended up being a lot of hype and uh, and not too much uh, not too much overall excitement. Which you know it's great, Brian, when you're a Cavs fan lack of excitement is a good thing, you know. You, you don't want uh, anything too crazy to happen because essentially, and I, I was going to start the show by celebrating what I've said on every podcast, and I'll say it on probably every podcast, that the Cavs are the Eastern Conference champions. They made the NBA Finals. It's pretty much more official now than it even ever has been because the competition didn't do anything to make a real dent in the Cavs. So I gave you a lot to work with there. Well, you know what's funny? I was actually <clears> – <throat> pardon me. And I was thinking this actually right before the Cavs tip off, and as we speak now on Thursday night, enjoying a dozen-point lead over the Knicks, it was as much as 20. Knicks are kind of making a little comeback right now, but not really. I mean, the Cavs are just kind of going through the motions until it gets close. This, to me, and, and obviously I, this is not going to be a uh, science I'm about to say here, to me this is pretty much the, the Camelot of, of Cavalier basketball. I mean, this is the highest point. It's, it's you know, I, we've talked about this on the podcast prior, um, you know, this isn't really deadline talk, just kind of the state of the Cavaliers right now, that, that, you know, this may be the best team made for LeBron James when healthy. I mean, they don't have Kevin Love now for a while, but I don't know if that's necessarily going to hurt the team, maybe from a chemistry standpoint when they get him back, but this is learning to rely on more people. Channing, I mean, Channing Fry, who thought a year ago, Brian, that that guy would be such a big difference maker? Like, as I'm watching it now, the way he sp- spreads the floor, just standing on the right side of the wing, forcing Carmelo Anthony to pay attention to him. I mean, even without Kevin Love, this team still has so many weapons. You know tonight, even prior to tip-off, that it would take a bad game by the Cavs and a very good game by the Knicks for the Cavs to lose this game. I mean, they are easily the superior team. I don't want to jinx them too much. Shumper is somewhat injury-prone, so he always kind of scares me. But, you know, he was healthy for the duration last year, so, you know, positive stuff there. But the way LeBron's playing, and, and I'm not a huge Colin Coward guy, but he even said it, uh, you know, I think it was said it today, that you could pretty much call LeBron James the league MVP any year, every single year. And I hope that they don't give it to Harden and they see the thing that LeBron – I think LeBron is playing to win the MVP this year. I don't think every year he does that. I don't think any year in Cleveland he's done that. I think this is the, honestly, Brian, the first year that LeBron's been back in Cleveland now in year three where he's actively trying to pursue uh, winning an MVP award in the regular season. It's been a while since he's done it, and if he wins this one, he ties Michael Jordan for, for the, you know, the most of all time. Uh, he's only getting older, so it'll be harder for him to win it. But, I mean, Steph Curry's not going to win it. There's no – his name's not even on the radar. It, it seems like it's it's just honestly going to come down to LeBron and uh, Harden. Um, Westbrook's name was was big on it last year, not, not at all this year. And I hope LeBron wins it. Uh, he deserves it. Um, I know he'd much rather have championships, but he is a legacy guy. And just kind of take this whole thing full circle, when you talk about the, the, the deadline, on ESPN's first deadline winner, it's the Cavaliers. because nothing really happened. I mean, Boston didn't get – I mean, Boston, you know, sat pat. As you said, they were in a tough situation. that They, they, they didn't really get anything. Um, and, and the thing is in the NBA, and as you said, Brian, I'm, gonna, I'm not, maybe not quite as optimistic because I believe in sports. You know, I've, you know, crazy things do happen. 
Um, I'm not going to just write Cleveland into the finals, but this is as close to, and again, going back to something you said way earlier, um, you said Larry and Magic is the best rivalry in NBA history. It currently is, but man, if you can get, you know, LeBron and Steph in another one, things are going to start to intensify, whether they want to admit it to each other or not. Um, but uh, this has been easily, you know, uh, the the most like this since the 80s when they played that you can pretty much write in who's going to make the finals. And no matter what any other team did, unless you really landed a top 10 player, which it didn't happen, you were not going to do anything to upseat these guys, these teams, Golden State, Cleveland. I mean, there's no – I mean, maybe Houston, and I guess that would be my question to you, Brian. Do you see any scenario – I mean, you've written in Cleveland – do you see any scenario that Golden State doesn't get out of the West? I really don't. I really don't. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, you know, I don't feel as confident. The Spurs are the best. They've got the they're the best organization in the NBA overall. They've got the best coach, I believe, and obviously this is such a tough debate, but to me that they have the best coach in professional sports um, in Greg Popovich. And they, they still have a very solid team. They still have, you know, their veterans, the Ginobili's and the Parkers. But Kawhi Leonard's one of the very best players in the league, top five player. LaMarcus Aldridge is a top two or three player at his position. So with the coaching and with the talent, I don't want to completely – I'm not going to be a believer in the postseason in the Rockets. Um, you know, they, they did do a really nice job. They, they went out um, – you know, went out, traded Corey Brewer, got Lou Williams, who's having a phenomenal year. I was just looking at his stats, kind of wild, that he's averaging 18 points in less than 25 minutes, which is insane. Wow. Just under 25 minutes. And it said the, the last player to do this, some guy named Freeman Walker, who played for San Diego. So there's a good example. That's not a team that has existed in either of our lifetimes. So yeah. uh, that gives you a good, a good sort of example of, the kind of you know the the potential Lou Williams has for them, and then they were able to tra- to clear some cap space to help them in their search for some veteran free agents. So, um, but I, I'm just not going to be a be a believer in them. But I but I do I want to put my money where my mouth is. I think it's important, not actual money. Right. So I'm gonna 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 do that. something right now that first of all my parents would, would kill me, even though I'm 30. So really, what the hell is no? They don't really get that kind of say. But I, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I'm willing to say this, okay? If the Cavaliers do not make the NBA Finals, I will get a tattoo. may not be a big one, but I have no interest in ever getting a tattoo. I will get a tattoo, and I'll get a tattoo of Chief Wahoo. Because if I, I, I've always felt if I ever was going to get one, that's what I would want. I'd want it to be Chief Wahoo because I love Chief Wahoo. So – there you go. I'm making some news on the Jared Rose show. If the Cavaliers do Man, not tattoo, finals, all right. I'm getting a tattoo of Chief Wahoo. I'm going to get it. I don't know where, uh, but I, will, I promise you, and, and I'm dreading this if it, if it were to happen. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm having – essentially, Brian, I'm having confidence that LeBron James is not going to suffer a significant injury, the likes of which he's never suffered before. Because truly, I believe that LeBron James – and even a portion of this Cavs team, I honestly think the Cavs could still make the finals. So I'm doing it. I'm putting my money where my mouth is and uh, taking a, a, a risk to some, but that's how confident I am the Cavs are going to get it done. And I agree with you. You know, it's funny when you look at the Spurs. I mean, Quite Leonard's averaging just under 26 points a game, and he's someone that I remember 
uh, a couple of years, was it a year or two ago, where Pop was like, all right, man, you got to be the guy that starts scoring. Like, you got to be the guy. Like, you are Scottie Pippen, but you don't have Michael Jordan. So you have to score. I think he's growing into that role. And it's funny because I have one coworker that loves the Spurs and Kawhi Leonard, and he just said to me recently, he's getting no talk for the MVP. And I'm like, dude, because he's Kawhi Leonard. He's not that good. I just looked at his stats, and it's like, my goodness. You know, he is – you know, averaging that much a game. They have Tal Gasol who's still getting eight rebounds a game. Demarcus Aldridge, who's really good, that no one really talks about anymore. So they have a lot of pieces. I mean, the thing that's crazy is they've never faced Golden State in a Western Conference championship. I mean, the year that uh, the Spurs won it in 14, I I don't think they had to go through them to get to the Conference Championship. And then the last couple of years, uh, you know, the year after they beat the Heat in five games, which, you know, that kind of helped LeBron head back to Cleveland. Um, they lost in the first round to the Clippers in, in, a, in a fantastic seven-game series. It was kind of a shame that that either team had to lose that early in the playoffs. And you know, and then then you know, this past year, last year, they they did not face Golden State in the playoffs. So I would just I just want to see San Antonio, Golden State in the playoffs, preferably for the the Western Conference Championship, just to see if Popovich has figured out Golden State. Because I remember when they you know Golden State kind of railroaded them in the regular season last year by a lot, like a thirty-point game. And afterwards, Pop was like, I haven't figured them out. Like, we, we, we have not figured them out. We don't know how to beat them. And it was a very, like, revealing thing with Pop, where he's done a lot more of that recently, but it was kind of like, wow. Like, you don't really see that. I mean, that would be like Mike Tomlin coming out. Well, maybe if Tomlin had a couple more rings. and was like, we can't beat the Patriots. Like, I, we can't figure them out. Like, I remember uh, the Pacers saying that about LeBron when he beat them again uh, in the 2014 playoffs. They, they were just like, we, we can't beat this guy. But uh, – I don't know, man. I, I think you're. I think you're right, though. I think it's going to be Golden State and it's going to be Cleveland again. And it, it's just crazy, man. In a league with with professional athletes, uh, it, we're saying this. Like these two teams are just. I mean, and you throw in, you know, you you, you throw in the Spurs, but the fact they're not going to be Golden State, they're kind of out of the conversation. There's literally two teams in the league that are playing for everything. I mean, in the NFL. You could say that about the Niners and Cowboys in the '90s, but they're you know, and then the Lakers and Celtics in the '80s. But beyond that, in the last 30 years, there's no other professional franchises that you can just say that about. Well, you know, two that are dueling. I mean, the Braves maybe now nah, they only won one, but you could, you could kind of say that with the Braves and the Indians in the '90s, but not really. I mean, this is legitimate, crazy stuff. And now, uh, Brian, if you want to talk about this, you know more about this uh, than I do. Uh, NBA on TNT is talking about uh, Darren Williams possibly coming to Cleveland. You kind of broke that news to me. I don't know if, if you want to take it over and talk about some of the things that are going going down behind the scenes in Cleveland, but they haven't been announced as official moves just yet. Yeah, and, and that's the thing I'm really excited about. So, yeah, th- th- there's technicalities that we have to, you know, uh, get through. But when it's all said and done, I uh, – Multiple reports are indicating, which is fantastic, that we are going to see uh, Darren Williams in Cleveland as a Cavalier. He's got clear waivers. And then Andrew Bogut, allegedly as well, uh, is going to be coming to Cleveland, which is amazing. I mean, that that is such a good opportunity. I think Darren Williams specifically, he brings some veteran leadership to the second unit. He's 32 years old, averaging 13 points for uh, one of the, one of the you know worst teams in in the West, Dallas. Although Dallas, ironically enough, is actually competing for the eighth eighth seed in the Western Conference playoffs because the first seven seeds are all pretty good and the eighth seed is terrible. It, it, the Nuggets currently 
are the eighth seed, I believe, and you're like six games under 500. So it's, it's weird. Uh, the West has so much depth, but it ends after seven, and then it's just crap after that, really, for the most part. Um, but going to be really nice to have him. And Andrew Bogut, again, he's a big guy, a defensive-minded guy. I like the fact, certainly, that he was on the rival Warriors for the last couple of years. I think that that gives you, you know, maybe a little bit of, I don't want to say an advantage, but it's always, it can't hurt. It can only help to have him there. And these are not guys that you're expecting to really be, you know, huge for the Cavs, but it's, it, it gives the Cavaliers that more depth, more, again, more veteran leadership. It gives you more confidence heading into the playoffs. Um, and really withstanding the injuries to Kevin Love and J.R. Smith, as the Cavaliers hope. Of course, I care less about this than than the Cavs do. And uh, hopefully, though, for the Cavs' sake, they do get the number one, one, number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And then that would, you know, put them in a position where uh, you, know, only have, you know, only have to worry about um, the finals against Golden State, theoretically, would be a time where you would not have home court advantage. So, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what those moves do for you, if they do anything for you, Brian. But uh, I think that uh, not making a trade, but you, you bring in a big which you need, you bring in a backup point guard which you really need, uh, to me that's, that's, that's nice work by uh, David Griffin and uh, puts the Cavs in a really nice position. And I agree. I don't think they ever needed to bring in another superstar. And I hated when people interpreted LeBron saying we need help as he wants another superstar. I don't think he was ever saying that. I really don't. And if they got Carmelo, that would have been great. But I don't think they needed that. I don't think LeBron ever said they needed that. In fact, I know that for a fact. And I don't even think he was insinuating that. I think that they needed help in certain spots. Like a guy to open up the floor, like when you bring in Kyle Korver. Um, I mean, they have. I mean, and they were actually. It's funny when everybody talked about how good Golden State was at shooting threes. Uh, it was you know Cleveland and Golden State were like about you know they were one two in the league last year in, in three point shooting. And I think in the playoffs going into the finals, the Cavs were actually the best th- uh, three point shooting team in the NBA in the postseason. So they can shoot the tray too, and Kyrie Irving can shoot it whenever he wants. He absolutely can. I mean, his shooting. Uh, for a non, you know, he's not known for shooting like a Reggie Miller, you know, not a, a just pure shooter like Larry Bird, those kind of guys, Ray Allen. Um, he's the best at it. I mean, him and Kobe Bryant, I mean, they're – and that's where I would always give the nod to Kobe slightly before. Uh, LeBron's a better player. But when I used to argue Kobe, it was always that, hey, Kobe's got a better shot. He still does. But everything else LeBron does outweighs that. And LeBron has gotten to be a much better shooter as, he, as he's aged. Because quite frankly, he's had to become a better shooter. He would have at least one more NBA championship ring earlier in his career if he would have had the shot he has now. But I digress. But uh, I, I love the Darren Williams signing, uh, if it happens. Um, I'm actually surprised he's only 32. He's only a year older than I am, so I'm, I'm surprised. But, you know, he, you know he, he was good at Illinois, um, very good there. He's got championship pedigree. And we talked about this off the air, Brian, before we jumped on, and, and you remember this team, um, <clears throat> the Utah team that made the Final Four in 2007 and would have faced LeBron in the Cavs if they would have gotten past the Spurs. And, uh, you know, Derek Fisher was on that team, Karolinko, Boozer, a couple other good players. But he's got experience in the postseason. And then, you know, the Nets, um, you know, when they were good, not you know, a couple, just a couple of years ago, it was Dar- Darren Williams running the show. So he's and, – and, you know, I don't think him and LeBron are like boys per se, but, you know, there's definitely professional respect. And if, and if there's even rumors that he's going to come there, 
you know in the NBA, you know, if a player's going to come to someone else's team, you know that there's good chemistry there. If if Deron Williams didn't like LeBron, he would not be doing this trade. So, or he would not not trade necessarily this acquisition because it's not a trade. But uh, I like it a lot. You know, I really do. And uh, I don't know, you know, how good he is as a backup. You know, how good he is at coming in and not starting the game. I guess we'll find out. But I'm not, you know, I don't think anybody should be terribly, terribly worried about that. You know, he'll... You know, he'll come in, and he's professional. And he and I think the main thing is you, you bring in a guy that's 32. And LeBron loves this. LeBron loves um, surrounding himself with some veterans <clears throat> that still have a lot of gas left in the tank and that want to win championships. He did it with Mike Miller from year one. They got Mike Miller, who I think when they signed him uh, back in 11, he was 31 years old, had never won championships, wanted to win one, didn't care if he wasn't the man because he knew he wasn't going to be the man. Kyle Korver, who just made a three in this game uh, to make the, you know, the lead for Cleveland back up to 13. Um, you know, uh, uh, Jefferson, the hairless one. <laughs> I, I flunked on his name for a second there. I mean, you just look at this Cavs team. I mean, they're loaded with veterans that just are hungry for winning. And I think Williams is going gonna, is gonna to fit in this, and I think he's going to be a great acquisition. So, uh, no, I, I think it's very positive for Cleveland. They didn't need to make a splash, and they added. They're gonna. If this is true, they're gonna add some pieces that I think are gonna make them even stronger on the back end. And uh, I, I think they just got. They made themselves even stronger heading into the postseason, heading into the stretch run here in the regular season. Yeah, and and I, and, and and you know the fact that LeBron and Darren Williams were Olympic teammates, you know, and, yeah, that indicated that that they there is that professional courtesy. That's there. So there's that respect. And, I mean, look, if you're Darren Williams, you're 32 years old. You haven't had a, a – a, a, I mean, those Utah teams were good, but you never realistically thought they were ever going to be. You knew they were going to be San Antonio, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's something, of course, you have to kind of consider. But, but ultimately, hey, I, for Darren Williams, this is your shot to win a championship. This is your legitimate great chance – to win a championship. So that should, you would think, I mean, if he's not Andrew Bynum and he actually loves the game of basketball, which I assume he does, this has got to be exciting for him. This is his shot to get finally be a part of a, a, a championship team, to finally have a realistic chance to get a ring. So I think that has to motivate you. Now, one thing that is news now to me, but, it, but it's not going to be news for everyone here with this podcast, is the NBA confirmed, which I think is ridiculous, that because the Mavericks had Andrew Bogut. So because the Mavericks had Andrew Bogut and are going are gonna to be able to waive him, that means, which again I think is absolutely ridiculous, that means that Golden State was not his last team and thus he is actually eligible to return to the Warriors. Andrew Bogut could actually return to the Warriors um, and, you know, obviously we know they had to, to, you know, get rid of Harrison Barnes and Bogut to be able to make the salaries work, to be able to, you know, bring Kevin Durant into the fold. So the fact Andrew Bogut now could potentially, and, and from all the reports I'm indicating, it's something they're going to consider, but they're not necessarily something that they're not as necessarily gung-ho at this point. But that would be pretty disappointing for Andrew Bogut to end up returning to Golden State considering – but they, you know, were so close to winning a championship and won the championship the year before. For them to get to add and get back, I think, is ridiculous. I think it's a bullshit rule. 
But what can you do? I mean, that's that, – so at this point, I'm going to say Darren Williams, no tattoo bet here. But Darren Williams, I expect to be a Cav. Every indication has he will be. It's going to be his decision who he'll sign with, and it's a no-brainer. He's not going to go to Golden State. They don't need him. So Houston could potentially throw some money at him if they have interest. I don't know if they will. But, again, you're not going to have your chance like you're going to have with the Cavs. So he's pretty much a Cav. I feel confident in that. Bogut, I don't feel quite as confident in now that this news uh, has occurred that he could potentially return to the evil empire in Oakland, Golden State, um, which, by the way, they're moving to San Francisco because Oakland is a horrible city. And when they show shots outside of the overhead shot of Oracle and, you know, the, the Raiders stadium, only show shots San Francisco. San Francisco's great, Oakland's terrible, and they're moving there. Sorry, that was my chance to take a shot. At Oakland, I got a lot of beef with <laughs> Oakland because because they won they won three World Series in the seventies and didn't draw a million fans at any point in that time. The Oakland A's, so that gives you a strong indication of that. I just don't have any real respect for that fan base. I think that it's unnecessary for them to have teams. I really feel that way. They're going to lose the Raiders, and then they'll have you know the only team they'll yeah then 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 they won't have any teams in Oakland physically in, in Oakland besides the A's. And I would li- I, to me, the A's should, should either be, you know, retracted or, you know, should move somewhere else. Uh, that I feel very strongly about. But anyway, um, you know, overall, got to feel pretty good. Cavs in, in a great position. Again, just to recap, if you missed this portion of the podcast, I uh, am willing, don't want to do it, but I, I will do it. I will honor what uh, my commitment that I said, hey, I will go ahead and I will actually get a tattoo if the Cavaliers do not make the NBA Finals. I was going to put a caveat there, but I'm not going to do it because otherwise what's the point? Let's risk. Let's gamble a little bit here. Uh, so I said I'm going to do that. So that's one bit of uh, a breaking news <laughs> from from the show here. And uh, – yeah, beyond that, we got a little bit of time left. Uh, you know, Brian, anything else you want to touch on? NFL, a little bit of a dead period at this point. You're going to, you know, you have some cuts going on, but nothing to get there. Uh, draft is still a, a ways away at this point. So anything else uh, that, you, that you want to touch on here? Well, I don't know. I don't know how much you want us to swear on this podcast, Brian, but I, I really do think that, in the NFL right now, you have to separate the real news from the bullshit. And right now, there's a lot of, of the latter going on in the NFL. I mean, every single day, you, you hear, you know, every website, even legitimate ones like, ES, you know, NFL Network and whatnot, you know, you know uh, current teams now in the running for Tony Romo. At the end of the day, like, who knows? You know, and then Adrian Peterson now to the Giants or now to the I, – I saw a report today that now he might be going to New England. Like, you, no one knows. You know, everybody right now – uh, you know, in my department or in my world of, of covering the NFL, everybody wants to have a story. Everybody, you know, is still trying to get big ratings when in my mind it's like it doesn't, you know, it's, it's okay if they're not that quite there right now. Or oh, there's other things to talk about. Like I, you know, uh, the one thing in the NFL, the one thing, and, and I guess I'll stop bitching about the NFL. The NFL coverage is terrible right now. I mean, it is, it's this time of the year where it's a little too far away from the draft to, to – you know, really, I don't do a mock draft for my job, Brian, until April. I don't do a mock draft until I absolutely have to, 
because, you know, you end up doing so many, you know, they're never consistent. So I like to wait. I like to see who the teams actually talk to at the Combine. The Combine's coming up, which I'm really excited about. I do like the Combines. I think then you start to see actual tangible things happening. So I'm I'm excited about the Combine. But the one thing about the NFL that makes it different than any other sport is that it is the bye week. Um, You know, you get that extra week to rest. And I think it, that's the main reason why the Steelers haven't beat New England. Um, to talk about my favorite team for, for a moment, albeit it's the off season, and you're probably like Brian, we don't, not now, but real quick, you know, they gotta win, they gotta get to the second round, you know, if they want any chance of beating New England and winning a Super Bowl. And I wrote about that this week because I didn't want to write about you know Romo crap. I wrote about, you know, I, I had time to reflect on why can't we beat New England, and, and that's a big reason why. I mean, you're, you know, when you when you don't get a buy a buy. You're playing an extra, uh, you know, playoff game every year. You're, you know, that that's another week of travel, preparing. You know, all New England had to do was beat one Texans team with a backup quarterback before they faced the Steelers. I mean, that's 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 easy. The Steelers had to go to Kansas City and win in a very tough place. They had to beat a Miami team that, albeit wasn't that strong, but they were they were ten and six in the regular season, and they, you know, Matt Moore was two and one as a starter uh, when he replaced Tannehill. So. You know, they were a decent team, but, but that's my big thing. And that's, that's kind of the crazy thing about the NFL, which is that they're the only sport that they have a bye week. And, you know, that, into my mind, that is so coveted. And I know the Steelers have won Super Bowls. Well, one, when they were a wild card team. I know the Packers have done it. I know New York's done it twice. There's a reason why I, I think six teams have ever done it, five or six teams, um, because it's hard. It's very hard to do. And, I, they ha, you have to, and that's the crazy thing about the, about the NFL. Once again, is that I mean, it would be like the Cavs right now. If, if you're the number one seed, you get a buy. How important that would be. How hard, you know, probably right now Toronto would be even even more trying to press to get that number one seed. So, um, but yeah, that, that's my thing with the NFL. Uh, not not like like you said, not a lot to talk about. March one is the deadline for free agency. So uh, if you're going to franchise someone, then March ninth is when it opens up for everyone else. So if the Steelers are going to uh, you know, if March 1st comes and goes without the Steelers re-signing Le'Veon Bell or putting the franchise tag on him, you know, then all of a sudden uh, there's going to be teams that really get excited about the prospect of him maybe hitting free agency. I don't think he will. I don't think there's going to be a lot of free agent splash this year in the NFL. I think if you're, a, a, you know, if you're not a hockey or, or a NFL, if you're not a hockey or NBA fan and you're a big NFL fan, I think this could be a disappointing time for you because <laughs> I, just, I just don't see – now, talking Cleveland, I, I do think that they are going to re-sign Terrell Pryor. Um, I think he is going to test the open market. Actually, I know that. I know that he's going to test the open market. Um, it will be very interesting to me to see uh, any if you know what teams are interested. And Brian, I've been I've been delaying writing about it because I know that that, that that I'll get crap for it. But I I honestly think if the price is right, uh, the Steelers may entertain talking to Terrell Pryor. They have a lot of respect for him. He played really well in his two games against the Steelers this year. The biggest reason why Cleveland should have beat Pittsburgh in week six, uh, week 17. And uh, he's a Pittsburgh guy. He's from Pittsburgh. Um, he's got a lot of family around there still. His parents still live there. Uh, and you're taking away a weapon from a divisional team, a rival. So I think for the Steelers, they would look into it uh, if the price is right. You, you don't know who could offer him crazy numbers. For whatever reason with Terrell Pryor, there's a there's a well I know the reason, but there's a negative stigma around him. Whether it's his his past at Ohio State, uh, 
you know, there were some rumors even this year that things weren't great with him in Cleveland. I don't. I think those were unwarranted. I think he is a crazy competitor that wants to win. And I think it upsets him when he's not on teams that want to win or that aren't winning. But I think I think for Cleveland it would it would be wise to keep Pryor. I don't know if they necessarily are going to keep them because I don't know if Cleveland management, if they're like the Oakland A's, and I know that they had to do the money ball thing and they have one guy from their front office that was from the, you know, uh, the A's. I don't know if they're really married to keeping him. I don't think they are. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with Terrell Pryor. I think, you know, with, uh, obviously with, with Cleveland fans, the Browns right now are probably, you know, the last of your thoughts, but I do think that is interesting what's going on in Cleveland. And if, Terrell Pryor, I could see even New England reaching out to him. Who knows? It's going to be very interesting to see where. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think that the Browns. I don't think he tests free agency, and the only reason why I don't think he tests free agency is because I think he gets franchised. I, I, I think that he, I think it's the same kind of situation with the Steelers. Again, maybe they don't franchise Le'Veon Bell. That the Steelers will do that. They they'll take a great player and they'll not bring him back if they don't feel the price is right. And I respect the Steelers organization too much to, to say to rip on that. Um, but look, I mean, Terrell Pryor, you could put Terrell Pryor on, on probably every team or almost every team and make a case for from a football perspective, of course it makes sense. The guy is an absolute monster yep. and yep. playing the wide receiver position. So I think that attitude-wise, I think that when you, you develop a reputation, maybe sometimes it's not completely deserved and maybe it's not completely deserved – but I do think, to be fair, he's earned it. I mean, the guy, the guy. Not, you don't want to just, you know, look at what happened in college. Obviously, that's impactful. But the guy's very arrogant. The guy is not necessarily the most well-liked guy by his teammates, typically. The opponents seem to hate him. Um, again, if you're productive enough, you don't worry about it. I look at Terrell Owens in, in the Hall of Fame bullshit, which would be, make a great hate for us to do at some point, the fact that that guy's not in the Hall of Fame and is getting punished because of, the, of, his, of his attitude, even though he's somebody, and I think Pryor is this way too, you never one time question the guy's uh, motivation and effort. Never. Randy Moss right. did, to be fair. Randy Moss absolutely yep. did. Randy Moss, yep. I guarantee, is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I shouldn't say guarantee because Chris Carter had trouble. I don't understand that. But I'm assuming he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. No one doubts that the guy's a Hall of Famer. But the fact of the matter is the guy did quit. And he quit fairly consistently at times. And you didn't see that with Terrell Owens. So I'm getting into the whole rant there. But, yeah, I mean, I know, yeah, coming from, what, you know, Jeanette, Pennsylvania, small small town in Pennsylvania, uh, mm-hmm. The Steelers, uh, yeah, would they be foolish not to give consideration? I just, I don't think it gets there. I, I just don't think logically it makes sense for the Browns to let Terrell Pryor, you know, come to any kind of agreement with another team. I, I think that they franchise them before we get to that point. So that's my thoughts on, on that on that particular instance. So we'll see what happens. It's funny. It's interesting what's going to happen. It's funny to me in the NFL how everyone takes their time. Everybody waits until deadline. You saw it a little bit in the NBA here with the trading deadline. But like everybody waits. Everybody just sits back. Um, it's just like I said. It's just kind of funny. Like even James Harrison, he came out yesterday and goes, "I want a two-year deal." And then today he tweeted, he put on Instagram that he, he just wrote a picture of him standing there. And it just said waiting. <laughs> like he's like, "Come on, give me a new deal. Let's make this work." But that's. How the NFL is today, There's, you know, unless you've got the franchise thing. I mean, like Antonio Brown, everybody's like, when are they going to give him a new deal? 
the season's only been over for a month, you know, for the Steelers. And, you know, the Super Bowl was less than a month ago. So, I mean, you know, people take their time. Teams take their time. Team, teams will evaluate everything. Um, there's rumors Steelers want a receiver. I don't know why. They have so many. But uh, that's why I thought Pryor might make sense. But w- one thing kind of for me, Brian, and I'll kind of wrap it up with this, uh, kind of to, you know, because we, we're hitting over an hour, which, which you and I tend to do because we enjoy doing this show. It's been a lot of fun, and we hope that you guys have enjoyed it as well. We actually had a record for most listeners last week, uh, last count. So thank you to everyone that listened. And, uh, you know, we haven't been on for, for long, so let's hope we break that record this week with this show. But for me with Terrell Pryor is this, you know, you have to make a, a decision here now uh, about your legacy. Are you going to re-sign with Cleveland, which obviously it takes two to tango, so if they, if they bring him back, uh, then you make your career with the Browns, and then you become uh, the new face of the Browns, and that's how you'll be remembered in the NFL because he's already going to be 28 this year. So he's already kind of getting up there. Very hard to believe he's only one year younger than Antonio Brown, who I feel like has been in the NFL for, for forever. But, you know, for Terrell, I'd like to see him either stay in Cleveland or go to a contender and have a chance to win a championship uh, now, and then he can be remembered for that. Um, that. That's what I would like to see for him. You'd rather stay in Cleveland – and you, you, you're remembered as a great Brown, and who knows? Maybe you're a part of a, of a resurgence there, a playoff run there. You never know. Crazier things have happened. Um, or you go you know, to a team and win a championship. I'm a big Terrell Pryor fan. I know that, again, he had his maturity thing. Uh, but I, I, he earned my – he cares, but he earned, earned my respect last year watching him play, and I hope that things go well for him here in the, in the offseason and, uh, and gets a good contract. Yeah. We, we will see what happens. We'll see what happens. But, I, yeah, I want to echo your sentiments. Uh, it's so fun for us. I mean, we've talked about this, and it's true, is that, you know, especially when you live across the country, it's, it's difficult to your friends with different time zones and, and, and all that. And, I mean, more than anything, not to get sappy, but I, I enjoy that we get to talk. We get to have, this podcast is a chance for us to talk sports for an hour. And it's great. It's great that we're able to talk now at least once every week, which is awesome. Uh, I enjoy it a lot. I appreciate very much all the, the listeners that uh, have jumped on, as you said. And uh, let's, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's break another record. Um, I, you know, we'll, we'll see if uh, I'm sure as hell going to uh, utilize the tattoo in my marketing for this podcast, <laughs> uh, I you know uh, sucker some people in even if they don't like sports. But uh, but no, I'll, 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 well, I was gonna say all kidding aside, but that's not. I'm not kidding. I'm gonna definitely do that, and that's my my motivation for sure. Um, but but yeah, it, 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 it's been fun. Uh, we, we'll uh, you know we'll do it again next week. Uh, next week I'm gonna be very excited. I can't believe I didn't mention this. I'll, I'll I'll finish on this, and then I'll give you a chance to have the last word. But um, I can't believe I didn't mention this is Major League Baseball. As of when you wake up Friday, and most of you will listen to this Friday or after, spring training starts because of the World Baseball Classic. Another thing I love about the World Baseball Classic is because there's more spring training. So the Indians, I'm actually going to be able to watch the Indians. It's fake. It's a fake game. But I'm going to watch the Indians play a spring training game on Saturday. And I'm going to watch them play actually the Cubs, ironically, on, in a spring training game on Sunday. They play the Reds. since The Indians and the Reds share the complex in Goodyear on Saturday. I can't tell you. I can't stress enough that I sit here in snow. Most of the country, it's beautiful. I'm breaking records in Cleveland, and I'm sure in Columbus, and all, you know, weather's been great. Snowy here, at least for tonight, not a big deal. Love snow. But baseball's back. I mean, we made it. I can't believe that 
I'm so close to opening day. The Indians have a chance to win a World Series, and I can't wait. And, uh, hey, you know what? I hope I don't have to get a Chief Wahoo tattoo, but if I do, I will represent it. I'll be excited. I love the Chief. I love the Indians. And, uh, it, you know what? Hey, it'll be well worth it if uh, if the Indians get a championship, uh, if, if, if that's a spark plug. So, appreciate it. Uh, I'll give it to you, Brian, to uh, wrap this uh, puppy up. Awesome, Brian. You know what? On future shows, we'll talk about where that tattoo might go. Hey, maybe if any listeners out there have a recommendation, we'll uh, we'll talk about it on the show. But that's that's very cool, man. I don't have a tattoo either, but I've thought about getting one before. Uh, I actually told my cross-country team that I, I coach on, if you guys win a state champion, well, first, that if you go to the state meet, I'll get one. And then when they got there, they said, now what now? I go, ah, you got to win it. So we'll see if they can win it this year. But, uh, yeah, always fun to, uh, to do the show. Um, and you know what? And uh, I hope the Cleveland, uh, I hope the Indians do get to win a World Series. You know, I know, and I, you know, we'll talk about this more on the next show. I was going to ask you what this Cavaliers run is. It similar to the '90s Indians? Is it not? And if so, how is it? Because I remember those '90s Indians teams, and even though I lived in Columbus, you could feel the buzz from Cleveland, and they aired all those games back then. So you saw how packed the Jake was, and it was. It was magical just to live in Ohio. Again, not in Cleveland because I wasn't in Cleveland. You were, but, uh, you know, just to be in Ohio was fantastic. And just to have, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, the little connection I had, just any connection with, with that team and everything. But that we'll, we'll hit that up maybe early next podcast. We'll talk about that. But uh, it's always fun when your team's in the championship hunt. You know, I know like, I, like I talked about last week, I know my Pirates, uh, they're not, but I'll see them in spring training with my lady friend, Sarah, uh, our last day of vacation coming up here in a few weeks. So very excited about that. And just excited with, uh, we're with sports where it's going. Uh, you know, this is actually, you know, I said this on earlier podcast with you, Brian, this is actually my favorite time of the year with sports, which is kind of ironic because it's not even the NFL season or Ohio state season, but this seriously is, it's my favorite time of the sports year. The weather's getting better. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we're at the home stretch with the NHL and the NBA. So, very excited about that, and uh, pretty much every team that we're associated with is uh, is good, which is pretty awesome. So uh, for that, for uh, Brian Rosen, this is Brian Diardo signing off for the Diardo Show, and as always, it's a great day to be a sports fan. See you.